you and your degenerate friends already waste enough time thinking about disc golf. But just in case, here's some extra material on the Fish Golf Broadcast. On this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, I sat down with Ben Calloway, who is sipping a whiskey sour. Mm. You may hear that throughout. Mm-hmm. Ben, what you thinking about? What am I thinking about? Well, currently, this whiskey sour is delicious. And um, refreshing. Very refreshing. I'm also thinking about um, how poorly my play was this past weekend at the D-Glow. This is an event that you have kind of a lot of stake in, a lot mm. of history, and it being your sponsor's signature event. Uh, t- tell me about like the first time you played D-Glow and what it means to you. Uh, the first time I played D-Glow, uh, pro or, side. Or the AM side, perhaps. Oh, sure. Uh, the first time I played the AM side was in 2010. Um, and the course was much different back then. Mm-hmm. Still um, at the toboggan, right? Still at the, at the toboggan. Uh, pretty similar layout, but obviously many, many holes have changed up to this point. A uh, little less OB. I still very much enjoy playing the, the, the course um, as, I, as I do now, as I did then. But uh, when I first played it, it was <laughs> very challenging with the uh, up, up, up hills. Sorry, we're petting a pup right now. Uh, her name is Sadie. Hello, Sadie. Anyway, very much pl- love playing the course. Uh, I, I, I came in eighth place that, that year at the Amateur Disc Golf Championships, and I told myself that I wanted to you know, win that tournament, and I was very determined to do so. Where were you at that point in your career? How long had you been playing? Oh. Like, what were you doing locally? Uh, at that point, I had been playing for two, three years, and ha- I didn't really have any interest in going pro yet, but I did play uh, regional and local professional events, but like C tiers, B tiers. Yeah, sure. But did not accept cash because I wanted to play in the amateur championships in 2011, mm-hmm. which I ended up doing. Uh, preparing for that set event and wound up, you know, actually winning it in that year. Uh, but I've been playing the toboggan since 2010, uh, all the way up until recent year. So watching the course evolve and change as it has been is, it's it's been a wonderful watch, but it's also been, <laughs> it's, I don't know, it's, it's, the older I get, the harder it becomes is what I've noticed sure. playing that course. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, it's <laughs> it's physically taxing, and every year it gets lengthened or tightened in some way. Uh, I guess with over a decade of experience at the pro level, it, it gives you some maybe context or perspective into what has changed in the game and in course design. Um, well, obviously with... It obviously comes down with with how good players are getting the with with the course design now because you know if you if you take the caliber of golf that we have now, and you play a course that we had 12 years ago, I mean that that course would be completely slaughtered. So, so yes, it's with with the evolving player course design obviously comes with that, and it's only going to be getting harder. Mm-hmm. Um, with as as far as my play goes, I mean, I tr- I try to evolve with it. That's that's the best I that's the best I can do as as any of us uh, can, um, but I mean these kids nowadays are just the the shots that the the shots are through. I I was talking with um, my card mates today. I remember when hole three at the uh, oh, sorry hole two at the toboggan used to be difficult. 
Sure. Because not a lot of players could throw a very controlled, you know, high speed driver turnover going straight for over 450 feet uh -huh. uphill. You know, that was a very unique shot. It, now everybody has it. Right. There's an angle break in that fairway where it goes from very steep to, to marginally less steep. Correct. And it used to be that, like, that was the dividing line between throws far and doesn't throw that far. And now, like, the middle 50% of the field can get to that point. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so, so to watch that, you know, in the years that I've been playing disc golf is pretty amazing, honestly. You know, I, I didn't know that I would even be here at this point, being able to watch the evolution of the game. But it's been a fun journey to be on. Sure. So in 2020... When COVID hit, you got laid off from your job, right? Correct. What were you doing at that time? I was doing some carpentry, working in the trades. Okay. Uh, I did that for about, just about six years. Okay. And were you like going into people's houses and doing renos or was this in a shop doing pieces? It was about 60% rents and we built from the ground up. Okay. So yeah, um, a lot of renovations, and hence why I got laid off, because a lot of our job was renovation, and weren't going COVID, into people's yeah, houses. COVID happened, you know, people didn't want to send their houses anymore, so, so cuts had to be made. Yeah, at, at that point, even with uh, a wife and young daughter at home, right? Correct. You decided, well, fuck it, I'm going on tour. Y yeah, which was, a, which was probably one of the craziest decisions I had made in my life. I mean, I, I've... Um, up to that point, I'd been with my wife for uh, five years. Uh, our daughter was three years old. We were married for two, um, or just, sorry, just over a year. And when COVID hit and I got let off from my job, we were talking about, like, what can, what can I do? Like, what? And I've always had a passion for disc golf. I've always thought about what could, what could it be if I were to be on tour? Because I had played national tour events in the past and had done quite well, mm -hmm. you know, being just a regional pro who would travel outside on the weekends. Um, so so we'd, I'd always had the thought. And when we actually sat down and had the conversation of wanting to me go on tour, it was, I was like, oh my God, is this actually, is this actually happening? Like, yeah. could this be a, a real, like a job for me? And we, you know, put it in the books. We made a, we made a schedule. We, raised the uh, raised the money and you know in when 20 uh, 2020 ended and and then covid regulations started happening with the pro tour and wanting to actually create um, uh, a a tour after covid it started just taking off from there which was i mean <laughs> a blessing and a curse i can i, I should say because it, you know my my dream was happening, uh -huh. but then I'm also leaving my, you know, very new family. Right. Did you, was there a process of persuasion, but for you or your wife? Like, for example, when I quit my job last year, mm -hmm. uh, I was probably basically two years behind where you were in that. I didn't have the same, like, force of being laid off. But for a couple of years, all of my friends have been saying, like, go do this. You mm -hmm. have the opportunity. You have the talent. Why not? Mm-hmm. I think I think the biggest part was that I was laid off from my job and my wife knows how much I love disc golf and the the passion that I have for it yeah and that I've always wanted to go on tour so that 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 because it's it, it wasn't easy for her to ha want me to go like she did she did, I 
she might not like me saying it, but I don't think she truly, no, I, I can't say truly, I don't think she wanted me to go. Okay. Deep down, I know she wanted me to because she loves me that much, which is why she's the most amazing woman in my life. Uh-huh. She, she, she knew for the, the greater good of it, I needed to go. And so her pushing me, wanting to go play as well as, you know, being laid off from the job and then everything just kind of aligned up because, um, you had the sponsorship, you had, had, yeah, I had the the good schedule. Yeah. The good schedule was, um, a thing as well. But, uh, the, the, the biggest concern was obviously leaving my wife alone with my, with my, uh, daughter, with our daughter. And sure enough, her, her sister, my sister-in-law was living in Texas at this time and, unbeknownst to us, they were talking about moving up to Iowa. Um, Relatively close to you? Uh, yes, but not for the reasons of me just leaving <laughs> to go on tour. They, they, they were doing it all on their own. And when they did that, they lived with us for uh, a few months until they could get up on their feet, finding jobs and finding a place to live. But they, they helped out greatly with you know helping, taking care of our daughter, Rue, and just little things with, you know, Sarah obviously working full time. So it was just, it was crazy, like how all these things were lining up. And then I went on tour and it's just, it made it easier. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at this point, three years later, any regrets? Mm. Um, honestly, no. no, no, no regrets. The only thing, cause I, I'm just, I'm learning. Yeah. You know, this is only my my third year now in even though i've been playing disc golf since 2008 or, or so um i'm we're, we're learning and I'm, i don't regret it at all i love the fact that i'm on tour playing disc golf for uh as my job and some some players would like to not call it their job because you know I, nobody likes their job <laughs> uh so we'll, we'll say it's my my very passionate career um the only thing the only thing is that i wish I would have asked more questions for the existing touring pros. Like, what could I do to potentially make my my touring life a little easier? Because obviously, it's everything's a learning curve. Right. Um, but other than that, no. It's okay. been it's been a wonderful experience up to this point. Uh, I'm sure it's difficult to not see the day to day progress of your daughter and Mm. the daily check-ins with your wife and and other family. Uh, But when I've been around you, it's been a a nightly routine that you do a FaceTime or something like that. Yeah, it has to. That's actually (laughs) one thing that I, if if, for anybody who listens to this and you are thinking about wanting to go on tour and you have a wife and a daughter, significant other, communication is big. I know it's such a cliche because everyone always says it, you know, communication is big, but much like putting the work into disc golf to being better, you know, People always say like, "Oh, you just gotta grind it out," you know. It's it really is makes it really does make a huge difference communicating every single day, FaceTiming, talking on the phone, texting, whatever it may be. It makes a big difference. Yeah, you're put you're putting in the work to make that a, a lasting relationship too, because like you have four months of the off season potentially, but mm-hmm. other than that, it's a discontinuous like two to three months that you're home. Yeah. During the season. Yeah. Um. Can, can you elaborate on what kind of questions you might have asked some of the tour veterans? Because at this point, like three years in, you are a tour veteran, but you're also a veteran player. Right. You understand the game, but you also understand the rhythm of the season. Right. Um, I guess some, some questions, like 
I thought the only way that you could make it um, on tour was by just selling a bunch of discs that are out of your car mm -hmm. and uh, traveling with said somebody to cut costs. Yeah, which these are all things that these are all things that disc golfers still do. But um, what I what I wish I would have asked more was uh, strictly about contracts. Okay, I wish I would have asked more uh, more questions about what it is that they're getting in their contracts that could potentially help them out in for future events and or for the year things like like a simple thing is I went to European Open this year mm -hmm. and the cost of going to Europe by the way loved it can't wait to go back but the cost of going to Europe was insane it was quite a bit of money I think after everything was said and done you know I was just I think around five grand you know with with before you've even thrown a shot. Before you even thrown one shot. You know, that's Airbnb, that's air travel, that's food. Um, ground transportation. Ground transportation. Entry fee. Entry fee, gas, you know, all this. You know, just before I even threw one shot in potentially cash. Five grand. That That is something that you could potentially ask in your contract. Like, hey, if I'm going to go to European Open, go to your sponsor and say, would you be able to help me with that Pro provide a stipend give me some discs Something. to sell help Anything. me run some clinics correct um now let real quick let's take a quick tangent and invert that and say all of these great european players come over to the u.s and mm. do a tour for half the year mm -hmm. and then fly back to european open and then have to fly back for worlds and usdgc and other events yes holy cow like they are in 10 grand real quick oh minimum to do that yeah, minimum, which is which is why I have so much respect for all the European players that, you know, come over to the States and, and try to make a living and play. Yeah. And I, I mean, they haven't they haven't reached out, but I've always I've always said if they ever need any help with anything, like if they want to split Airbnbs uh -huh. or um, need help. I mean, I always ask, but they always have their ducks in a row. I've noticed <laughs> shocking, you know, that the European <laughs> players have everything usually figured out and they <laughs> Are well equipped, so. But I mean, that's just a different lifestyle that they have over there. That's just that's just how they how they are, especially in Finland. That I noticed. But yeah, for sure. Uh, so you're hoping to go back to European Open and or other events next year, pending the schedule, right? Pending the schedule, yes. Uh, what did what's some something you didn't even think about this year that you're going to do wildly differently next year because you learned it now? I will probably. I'm definitely going to make my schedule a lot different next year and try not to drive as much. Okay. Um, I, I, I actually did a, a little bit of that this year where I didn't, I only played one tournament on the West Coast. Okay. I, I, I played all of them in 2021 because I, I felt like I had to. You know, you have to live that disc golf experience. And I drove out to California, drove up the coast, and drove all the way back miserable i hated it i hated that drive <laughs> it drove me nuts literally figuratively so what i want to do is make my schedule to the point where i don't have to drive i can just fly for most events so that way i can stay home more yeah sure um now iowa is pretty centrally located to a large part of the tour uh you know it's a yeah it's a manageable day's drive to Preserve and Des Moines and Ledgestone and DDO and even Deglo. Correct. 
and uh, Idlewild. And yeah. if you want to throw Kansas City wide open in there as well, that is, yeah. Sure. Uh, at, at this time of the season, we're recording in mid-August, we're awaiting next year's Pro Tour schedule, Correct. which is when you kind of start thinking like, okay, I can go to this one and this one, but I should skip this one because of this. it just doesn't make sense. Um, give me the pitch to players who are looking for a way to like minimize their travel throughout the year and why they should move to Eastern Iowa. Why they should move to Eastern Iowa? Well, for one, housing cost is ridiculously low. So finding a place at a reasonable price is already great. Also, Iowa, I believe, has most courses per capita. Um, so I think where I live specifically, which is in the quad cities of Iowa, in Davenport specifically, I, within 30 minutes, can play seven or eight different courses. Are they good? Yes. Yeah, they, they truly are. I feel like they are all great courses. Uh, Des Moines is only a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me. So if you're ever thinking about moving into the Des Moines area, I mean, obviously, there's Pickard Park and there's uh, Walnut Ridge. There's also... Um, uh, a Oh my goodness, I'm drawing blanks right now, but I mean, Des Moines... Is he really from Iowa, folks, if he can't pull this off the top of his head? Yeah, well, I guess I'm not from Iowa. I'm Well, technically, I'm not even from Des Moines, which is... That's that's the... <laughs> that's where everyone keeps thinking that I'm from. Like, oh, the local man when I go to... I Okay, I, if I gave a random sample of Americans, name a city in Iowa, like 96% are coming up Des Moines, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. The um, others are just like, Iowa City? Yeah, Iowa City would be a big Ames? one, too. Yep, Ames would be another big one. Um, but, and also, I mean, like you just mentioned, if you if you love disc golf, then, yeah, the winters are bad, sure. But Go hop on an exercise bike in the basement for two months, and you'll come out great shape. Yeah, exactly, that's what I do. You know, I have my whole setup in the basement. So. Putting, driving. Putting, yep, driving into a net. I have about 30 feet of distance for a putt, so yeah, it's it's pretty solid, plus some exercise equipment and uh, and whatever else I need down there. I've, I've got so many different exercise um, things down there, so, and, and, and the other thing, like you mentioned, it's also within six hours of all, what, what did we just list off, about I, six I different think tournaments? I six or seven pro yeah. tour events. That's pretty impressive, considering, so... I personally think Des Moines might be a little bit better. Oh, by the way, you forgot. Oh, no, you, you said Letchstone. I think Des Moines might be more centrally located for all those said tournaments. Sure. Um, you might have to drive about eight hours, maybe nine, for Idlewild. Mm -hmm. But other than that, every other tournament is about between three to five hours away. Okay. So uh, everybody just go find a realtor in Iowa. Um <laughs> I'm Aaron Gossage, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I play pickleball. I'm Luke Humphreys, and I never don't listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I'm rockhounding. If you like where this show is headed, stick around for part two. We'll never barrage you with 11 minutes of droning external ads to start the show. So please support the Fish Golf Broadcast by visiting discgolfbra.com for hats and other apparel. Fish stamp discs are available at fishdiscgolf.com and daddydiscgolf.com. 
and you can save 10% on UpperParkDiscGolf.com with the code ANDREW10 on backpacks and other items. And now, more lies and outrageous claims from our guest, met with calm reason by Fish. I've heard the phrase, Iowa nice. Is that a thing? Well, yeah, of course it is. What does it mean? We're just genuinely nice people to your, like, when you, what what I've noticed is when I went to the West Coast, like, just simply saying hello to somebody, they give you kind of that that queer look of, like, (laughs) why are you talking to me? Like, what do you mean, hi? What do you mean by that? In Iowa, that's just what we, that's just what we do. It's like, hello. Like, when I drive down my street and I can wave to my neighbor and they wave back, Mm -hmm. that's what Iowa, I feel like, is right there. Just wave into your neighbors and they like you know that they know that all that's all you want just (laughs) hello courteous move on with your day oh and also when you bump into somebody oh 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 sorry there uh is it is it too far north if i say yeah no yeah yeah you're you're getting into the uh the minnesotans and the the wisconsin yeah the wisconsin's here so (laughs) yeah Okay, uh, so <laughs> since you've been on tour, you've been prioritizing mostly uh, pro tour and major events, mm. but you still get to manage a couple of a tier, uh, a tiers in Iowa or Illinois mm-hmm. every yeah. year, right? Yeah. What makes a good a tier? Not necessarily payout, but like if you show up, what are you hoping for that the TD has thought of? Mm. Well, obviously, it just depends on on the course. Like obviously, if if, if it's heavily wooded um i guess the only thing i would i would like to know is just like what ob's that they want to have marked just make sure that they are properly indicated on the caddy book or whether it be the t sign just or um you verbally say it before the round like just make sure that that's properly marked i personally love it when tournaments just have water on the course when it's on a hot day because most most events that i play uh, locally are during the summers I love it when they just have a couple water stations, um, and much like the the relationship I have with my wife, just good communication at mm-hmm. the start. You know, like these are the rules, list of OBs. This is where water stations are. Like it doesn't. It, we don't need a caddy book per se. Like we don't need to have it. Um, but. Uh, there's a distinguishing feature between like caddy book. It doesn't have to be 32 pages that shows me all your sponsors. Correct. It's like a one page rule sheet that says. Actually, OB yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Which, which is what uh, my local ATR does. It's, you know, it's pretty basic. Actually, it's, you know, it's got a couple pages on there, but yeah, it's literally just a piece of paper that has all the lists of rules and OBs and sponsors. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's, that's about all I, I would feel like I would need. And, uh, like I, hmm, I'm trying to think of like what things that I would really, really like to see. Are you in or out on player parties and fly marts? I, I'm. Hmm, I don't really. Player parties are fun. I, I, I mean, that that that's what I grew up on. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I grew. I, I grew up on player parties you know back back when i started playing in 09 and in 10 that, that's 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 what drew me to disc golf is like the camaraderie of it all you know we're all here together and and it, it was a lot of fun sure so i think i think player parties are good um fly marts take it or leave it yeah i don't think it's necessary uh but but i mean if you have product that you would like to 
to bring out to the to the course. I mean, for the most part, if you just simply say, "Hey, I got some discs in my car. You want to come and buy some?" <laughs> I, uh, that's there's your fly mart. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it kind of used to be that tea times were the were the aberration and mm. shotgun start was pretty standard, and that meant that like at the practice basket or on your hole, you'd see all 71 other players in the field. And now it's kind of like you see the people within 45 minutes of your tee time only each day. Right. Uh, do you think that that's a net gain or loss for the camaraderie versus the professionalism of disc golf with tee times? Um, I mean, it just it's just the evolution of how, how the sport is growing. I don't like I do miss I, I, I do miss the there, there is still camaraderie in it, but I do miss uh, bits and parts of it from. Like uh, back in when I first started playing, but nowadays, I mean, I don't mind that. I, I don't. I think it's fine personally. But I mean, like I said, it's just the it's just the evolution of it. Yeah, it's going to happen eventually. And some something we spoke about earlier this week are cuts on the pro tour. Oh yeah. So <laughs> it's currently a standard that for uh, five round majors there's a cut after four rounds. Mm-hmm. And for four-round Pro Tour events, there's a cut after three rounds to the cash line. Uh, currently, three-round events and then select majors don't have a cut after the the penultimate round. Yeah. Give me your case for cuts at all Pro Tour events. I So, the, the what what is very interesting about the Pro Tour right now is we, we have Disc Golf Strong, who is promoting about longevity, yeah. um, pr- prolonging your body, and you know developing a workout routine, which I love. I feel like that's one thing a lot of disc golfers are missing out on. They, these young kids don't really have much of workout routines. There's some, but not all of them. Well, yeah, when you're 17, you go eat a combo meal, pop out of the car. Right. And then just go start bombing 400, 500-foot shots on this gigantic course. Right. and And then that's... That's their day. <laughs> and then they go home, and then they probably eat the same food, and then go to bed and wake up and do it again. Yep. And if you're 17, if you want to do that, fine. I guess <laughs> if you can, go right ahead. However, someday, someday when you are old like Fish and I, you're going to need to do things a little differently, such as working out, stretching, taking the proper measurements the night before, like diet. Um, it, it just so, like oh, anyway. So those kids don't know how good they have it. Oh my god, they have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to us. Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, we're out here on the back porch. We literally are on the back porch right now, and I can see fences. I, I, and I imagine just yelling at kids. Okay, we're done. Anyway, but so we have Disc Golf Strong who promotes. Uh, longevity in their body. Yet here we do on the on the same piece of paper. We had the Pro Tour saying like, here's all these elites, majors, and Silver Series, and now we don't have to play them all. But it certainly feels like we have to play all of them. You got to give yourself as many. You chances have to as give possible. yourself as many chances as you possibly can because it's not getting any easier out here. So now with that, courses are also only getting bigger. They're only getting longer. So playing week after week after week, throwing shots like that day and day and day it's taxing and it's hard i don't care who you are i don't care if you're 17 years old and in the best shape of your life or if you're me 36 trying to trying to still make it out here it's gonna it's gonna cause some sort of injury 
whether it's um, short term or on the long term. Eventually it will. So to answer your question on cuts, I feel like cuts are good for all events. I don't care if it's three rounds or five rounds. Um, if, it's a th if it's a three round event that is a elite series, after two rounds there should be a cut. And I feel like it's the reason for that is it helps prolong the potentials on your career. And people people hate that idea. Some 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 don't really agree with that, and that's fine. You don't have to. I think that it would be better for um, the, the the future careers of disc golfers, where that you know what, this wasn't my weekend. I wasn't throwing good shots. Let's just chalk it up as a loss. Move on to the next one and prepare for that one. Prepare for that event better. Sure. Like take, take a rest day or a travel take, day. Take a rest day. Take a travel day. Yes. Uh, would you advocate cutting to the cash line or to, you know, two thirds of the field? Like, where's the dividing line for you after two rounds? Because two rounds sometimes isn't that much golf if a course doesn't spread right. out that much. So I, I don't feel like there's anything wrong for that three round event where if you if you cut it after two rounds, uh, whatever that whatever the cash line is, like like basically you made the cash. Oh, so you're cutting to the cash line? Yeah, I'd, no I cut what. to the cash line at that, which I, I, obviously that's going to cause a lot of you know controversies because they're like, oh, well then someone's going to make it to the cash line, and then what if they just DNF and then they made the cash? Which, yeah, that could that could happen, which is also why I see the argument for cutting to like like you mentioned uh, two thirds, so you can play for it. That yeah. way, it still gives you the incentive to if you did make the cut, have to play for that said, that said uh, spot. Actually, that sounds better. I'd rather do that. So you're cutting to, uh, and it doesn't, we're not, you and I don't have the power to solve this today. No, Personally, don't. I don't advocate the cuts, but if there were cuts, I would say X number of places or X number of strokes or some percentage of the field yeah. behind the cash line. I That's better because then it, it still leaves the incentive for those that uh, made the cut to play still. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like that better, actually. Forget the first statement. Okay, so flip-flopper Ben Calloway. Yeah, flip-flop real quick. Probably not going to win the Iowa caucuses as, nah, a, as a nominee. I, I'm sure everybody else that's in Iowa will win that above me. That's fine. Uh, can I get you on record saying Iowa caucus, please? It is. It's a funny phrase if you're childish. Iowa caucus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, me personally, yeah, I I think cuts are. I think I think they're good, and I would advocate them for all events. Personally. All right, Ben. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Every everybody listening, if you enjoyed this show and you want to compliment somebody somebody about it, you can find me on Instagram and whatever the fuck Twitter is at fish five eight three two zero. And if you hated the show and completely with the idea, completely disagree with the idea of cuts and want to cut somebody about it, Ben, where can people find you? Well, I guess you can find me on my Instagram, which is Benjamin Calloway DG. Um, you can try to find me on Twitter, but I don't use it. So Smart. you can, you can go right ahead and find me on there. I, I think it's the Ben Calloway, maybe. Um, you can go, you know, blast me on there as much as you want. I right, don't really right, care. Right. I'm not going to look at it. Um, other than that, 
that's where you can find me is on Instagram. Okay. Any tour fundraiser discs for sale? Yeah. So if anybody would like to um, purchase some discs of mine, they are all available on shopledgestone.com. Uh, we just dropped a brand new disc this year called, not brand new disc, sorry, brand new uh, um, plastic, the Z-Swirl Nebula um, in my uh, in my name. And it is a wonderful disc if you have not thrown it. It's a stable buzz that actually has really good fade, highly reliable. I'd recommend it for all throwing arms. Um, and there's other other discs on there as well that you can try to find. There's some nukes, roaches, zones, and I, I have some apparel on there as well. So yeah, shopledgestone.com. That'd be wonderful. And to all those who have bought my apparel slash discs up to this point, thank you. Uh, very much appreciate it. And all of that goes to supporting Ben Calloway as he drives far away from his wife and daughter. Mm, so far away. Mm. I really fucking miss them. <laughs> All right, Ben, thank you so much for your time. What are you going to eat for dinner? Well, what are we going to go eat for dinner? Um, how does sushi sound? Great, let's do it. Sweet. We're getting sushi in a landlocked state. Well, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast. But be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check out Fish Golf Broadcast hats and other apparel at discgolfbra.com and badger your friends until they listen too. Join us next time as I goad yet another guest into starting a fight with another touring player, campsite host, or toll booth attendant on the Fish Golf Broadcast. <laughs>